when Funimation did the dub, they couldn't swear. They couldn't like use certain insults. They couldn't like they they could only speak a certain way. So they would be like, uh, so like Trunks would get shot through the chest, and Pickle would turn on and be like, "Oh my gosh!" <laughs> <laughs> Good and you'd be like, "Really?" <laughs> be like, "Darn I'm Pax. I'm Hal. And this is Brotakus, the show where two guys who love anime do a deep dive on what is and isn't worth watching. We believe you don't have to have a major in anime studies to enjoy this wild, beautiful, strange art form, and we are lucky to have you on this journey with us today. So, our guest today is a brilliant actor, voice actor, film buff. I have had the honor of seeing him on stage, on screen, and living with his beautiful ass, and he is truly a deeply intelligent human being with some of the hottest takes this side of the Mississippi. You can find him on Twitter and letterboxed at at shankity stick and that is s-h-a-n-k-i-t-y stick shankity stick live from new york it's henry rosenberg Hello. Oh, it's so good to be here henry welcome to brotakus how you doing man i'm doing great i'm fucking pumped Hell yeah. absolutely love to chat <laughs> anime so today, uh, we're going to be talking about a show that most of you have probably already heard of and or seen on the internet at the very least, and that is JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. And we will be discussing season one, Phantom Blood. Uh, this is a show that, that, beyond a doubt, you know, given the name, you would think like, okay, what, what am I about to get into? But it really doesn't get any stranger than this particular show. Henry, why don't you tell us a little bit about JoJo's Bizarre Adventure? I would be absolutely thrilled. Uh, so JoJo's Bizarre Adventure is a shonen manga that began publication in 1987 on Shonen Jump, the most popular manga publication in the entire world. I was going to say in Japan, but if it's the biggest manga publication, it better be the biggest in Japan. Um and the interesting thing about Jojo's Bizarre Adventure is the way that the story is broken up. We are talking about the first part, uh, Phantom Blood, but that's only the first of eight, and it's by far the shortest. The One of the most unique selling, unique hooks about Jojo's Bizarre Adventure is the way that it changes and evolves and becomes about more and more and different sort of things. There have been... A few adaptations. The first uh, came out in 1993. It was an adaptation of the third part. And what we're talking about, what we all watched, is the David Productions adaptation that began in 2012. You'll notice there's been a lot of time between the original writing, drawing, artistic creation by Hirohiko Araki, uh, who's the author and mangaka versus what we're talking about. It's had enormous staying power. It has been very popular since it was first introduced and is still being published now, no longer on Shonen Jump, but in their Seinen publication, Ultra Jump, I believe is what it's called. 
Um, and so, like I said, Phantom Blood began in 87 and ended a year later in 88. And we're talking about the David Productions anime adaptation. Heck yeah. Yeah. Hell awesome, yeah. man. Thank you so much. My pleasure. And like, there's one thing I noticed that uh, se- seemed to be a horrendous oversight on, on that part, Henry, in an otherwise sterling perfect uh, thing, which is that you, you said Shonen Jump is like the, the biggest uh, manga production in the world. The world. There we go. I think that um, that was a, a great lead-in, uh, especially talking about uh, Araki, uh, the, the mangaka Hiro, uh, Hirohoko, Hirohiko Araki, uh, who is renowned for his youthful appearance. Is that have any of you seen Araki? I've seen a picture. I I, I have not seen how a picture. Old he is. He's sixty years old and he seems like an immortal vampire. He looks gorgeous. Oh, he's so <laughs> yeah, no, he's super. Skincare routine is fantastic, and that's really what we're all about here at Brotakus. Is real quick before we dive into um, s- some of this. How much have we all seen of JoJo's? Because I've seen up to like midway through part four. So I've seen Phantom Blood, Battle Tendencies, Stardust Crusaders, and uh, the beginning JoJo of Diamond is Unbreakable. Yes, that's it. Diamond Aww. is Unbreakable. So what have the rest of us seen? <laughs> Please, Henry. Oh, oh, it'd be my pleasure. I have seen a weird sandwich. I have seen part five, which is the most recent uh, of the anime adaptation. And I, this afternoon, finished part one. I'm aware of all of the rest of it. I know what happens. I've seen a bunch of YouTube about it, but I haven't actually put in the hours and watched the whole thing top to bottom. Well, see, it's interesting that you say that because I... I also have like a weird cherry picking situation mm-hmm. with with JoJo's. We're gonna be throwing a lot of memes out there during this episode. For everyone listening, if you don't know what it means, you're just gonna have to watch it. So, if you're talking JoJo's, you're talking memes. Yes, and we'll go into that in in a second. But one of the things that I said, the first experience I had with JoJo's Bizarre Adventure was a meme and it was this uh, showdown in season three Stardust Crusaders between Jotaro the protagonist and Dio the antagonist at the time uh, of that season and I remember thinking like oh my god this is crazy and then I realized oh season one is on Netflix Pax and I discussed it and I watched season one just to get a good taste so I would say I probably have the least amount of experience with JoJo's, but I'm hurrying up to watch through season two. Least experience, but equal in enthusiasm. Amen. (laughs) Now, I I think... We've all y'all probably had like heard of. I mean, that's the dumbest question. Heard of JoJo's before seeing it? There's no other way that could go. (laughs) (laughs) But um, but my experience was that I was hearing about JoJo's and seeing references to it way longer uh, for 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 years and years before I finally understood what it was about. And the way I explained this to Hal earlier is that once you learn how to speak JoJo's. And how to identify JoJo's? It's a lot like in uh, D and D, learning to speak Druidic or in Thieves Cant, where you're handed a menu at a restaurant and you can decode it, and you're like, "Oh, all these hidden messages, the scrawling on bark is just unveiling whole new worlds to me." Because it, I, I gotta say, in terms of um, not just as a meme but as an icon, 
is this the most influential like manga slash anime memetically? Oh, 100%. Like, I think it, yeah. At least yes. in the West, I don't think it's the most well-known. But Although, I will say that it kind of exploded recently. Yeah. Oh, the, the new production has yeah. been incredibly, incredibly um, influential in getting the knowledge base, expanding the knowledge base. So many more people know about this anime than at least here in the West. Always got to qualify that. But more people know about this anime than have probably ever heard of the manga. And I think just so that uh, the listeners have kind of like a, a, a touch point here so so that people who haven't heard about it at all can kind of start to relate to some things. JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, I think, is is kind of best described as following uh, each each new chapter is its own mostly self-contained story following somebody uh, whose name who, whose nickname is Jojo whether that is Joseph Joestar Jonathan Joestar um, uh, uh, Josuke it's I think Josuke Jojo Kujo Jotaro Kujo, yes, which is different. Last name uh, Kujo, not uh, Joe Star. And then what? Give me, give me the Italian again, Henry. Give In me, give part me, give five, me the they leave all the previous oh, characters behind. Yeah. And they go to Italy, and the main character, the main character's name, his name is Giorgio Giovanni. Oh, I love it. He's a I love sweet it. boy with blonde curls. Give him a yeah. little smooch on the cheek. And so anybody who has heard the song all over TikTok, all over YouTube. Although it's interesting with that theme, I think the piano riff at the beginning is the most iconic. That's the most iconic part of that song. But if we're talking iconic musical licks from the series, you got to be talking about the to be continued sound. Oh, oh yes. yeah! Oh, yeah, the guitar riff. Okay, so we're throwing a lot. We're throwing a lot. Okay, so we're 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 going to come back to that like real real soon. But so when you're thinking JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, what you got to think is um extreme uh high fashion, over exaggerated character designs. You got to imagine a uh, uh, big, bold, beautiful colors if you're in the anime, and knowing that. You're following the JoJo's who are often but not always related to each other throughout their different battles. And I think the one important thing to kind of uh, touch down on here is that the main through line for the whole series is how they fight. And I think this is probably what what, what has been most artistically influential on other uh, manga and, and, and battle anime, which is uh, the idea of stands. Uh, Henry, could you kind of give us an idea of like what a stand is? Okay, so starting in part three, they introduced the concept of the stand which is like this weird ghost that's attached to a human and can do all sorts of crazy things uh some of the earliest ones like breathe fire or did real good punches but by the most recent uh part in the anime the main character's power is to bring inanimate objects to life or to create zippers in things. It gets so strange. And the way that that affects the way that the fights work is it becomes less about who can hit the hardest and it becomes the person who wins the fight is whoever can think the strongest and twist their own abilities into the most interesting shapes. It becomes less of a like battle of like brawn and about it becomes a battle of brands. 
That is that is such a good way to put that. And I think that you definitely um, you I think you could straight up even see like the um, the influence in something like Rick and Morty. That's like a weird thing to say. But I just mean in terms of not being afraid to have extremely high concept abilities where it's not just like I'm Fireman, I'm Ice Girl, I'm Shark Boy, where you're where it is actually. um, Gosh, I, I, I we're not on part five. If and when we get there, I'll ask you about King Crimson. Um, oh my God! Yeah, Diablo, yeah. It's so hard. Yeah. It's the most high concept superpower I've ever seen, and from what I've heard, it took years for people to figure out how it actually worked. Just because since it started as a manga, it's very hard to visualize erasing time. Right. We'll get to that in a million yes. billion years. And so s- broadly, what you need to know is that stands appear as kind of like um, a spiritual uh, manifestation of like the user's will, but they don't necessarily have the kind of shown in characteristic where it's like, I want it even more going to level six now. Ah! Like yeah, it's yeah, not, yeah. <laughs> um, it, 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 it really is about the, the intelligence and the, the tactics of it. And so some people are born with crazy strong stands, like in part three, Jotaro's stand is just like just, nutty. He's just a beefy boy that can punch everything yes but so knowing that the main cultural standpoint here and if everything works out the podcast logo is actually me as hal's stand for the brotaku's podcast icon so standing behind looking super spiritual backing his ass up um and it in general just creates so much variety in the show and it is like a main touchstone of jojo's and yet is it in Phantom Blood, Hal? Not to be seen. No, not even, not even a thought. No, it's so different. And you can really, you, you know what? This sure does sound like a good uh, transition moment into... Phantom Blood! Oh, man, I'm totally... All right, so you have just heard some amazing lead-in music from Phantom Blood that I've stolen off the internet and will get us taken down for maybe. But it's fair <laughs> use because I kept it under 10 seconds. <laughs> All right, so um, it's been a hot minute since I have seen Phantom Blood. I just rewatched it um, in in 2019, uh, but it it was not. It was my second time seeing it, so I'm hopeful that y'all can give us the basic idea of like we entered the first part of JoJo's. This is the first time where we're understanding what does JoJo's bizarre adventure mean? Who are the characters? What is this plot arc? Um, let me let me toss it to you, Henri. So. The thing about JoJo is we talked about how stands weren't introduced until later, but the one thing they had from the absolute jump is the tone. Everything is very grandiose, taken incredibly seriously by the characters, but everything that's going on is very, 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 very strange. And so Phantom Blood opens by introducing our protagonist and our antagonist with Jonathan Joestar and Dio Brando. They come from very different places in life. Jonathan is the heir to a fortune in England, and Dio is the son of a thief and a gambler and a no-good gross man. But he is adopted by Jonathan's father, and they're raised together. And immediately in the anime, the visuals are so striking the color work is probably the most vi- like 
grabbing part of the whole show. Totally, totally. So we got the fight between uh, poor uh, Orphan Dio coming in and Jojo, who is the the son of a a rich kind of like Duke. Who um uh, and uh, Noah, can you kind of give us the the cap on like why they are introduced? What's owed in that family? So so in the very beginning of the show, uh, Jonathan Joestar's father and his mother uh, crash in a carriage and, and there's this horrible accident where they end up like in the bottom of a ravine and they're presumed dead. And this thief, Dio Brando's father, comes down and he's like, ah, look at this carriage and all this stuff I can grab. And then the father's like, hey, I'm alive. You're, are you saving my life? And the thief's like, uh, yes, I am. <laughs> and hey, I'm alive over just, here. Right. And Mr. Joseph's <laughs> just like, you're such a good guy. Thank you so much. If you ever need anything, anything at all, I will do it for you. And the, this guy's just like, uh, okay, all right, I was robbing you, but hey, now I got favors owed to me. That's great. And so some time passes, uh, and Dio's, Dio begins growing up into like a young adolescent, and his father begins passing away from from something, presumably alcoholism. Um, and did he ever cash in on that? Did he ever cash in on like the the prize before, like during his life? Because we know he well he, 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 he took money. He took money from the Joe Stars, but it like wasn't a lot. And then he blew it all on on alcohol. Yeah, and then he just spent like twenty years having syphilis. And right, then suddenly, and okay. then suddenly he was just dying very very quickly. And Dio was like, "Yeah, whatever, Dad." And he's just like, here, I take this letter to the Joe Stars. They owe you a favor. They owe me a favor. They will house you. And Dio's like, all right, Dad, have fun in hell. And so, like, guy, guy, Dio's, and, and and Dio goes to the Joe Stars. And, and I think what is most interesting about the characters is that there is no question about who these people are right from the get go. Like, you know that as soon as Dio enters, literally the artwork, like you said, Henry, it follows him. Shadow literally wreathes him everywhere he goes, and he is maybe 14. Oh, that's the scariest little boy I've ever seen in my entire life. Yeah. That little boy will stab you in your face. Or nothing. And the thing is, the first thing he does is kick Jonathan's dog in the teeth. Like, boom. And you're like, oh, my God, this kid is a villain. It's like if you describe the – very basic plot arc it sounds very melodramatic and very serious and i mean he's gonna they're rivals from birth but when you see it the movements and the posing and the shapes their bodies take really like deflates the drama and you're able to just sit back and let it blow your hair back Right, you're just like, oh, okay. <laughs> I guess this is what's happening now. Right, <laughs> totally. And anybody out there who it'll it'll be part of unlocking the whole new world for you because again, I feel like JoJo's is the one thing where it is. I feel like Naruto is kind of like most people's main anime like touch point. Like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, my brother likes Naruto. Oh, oh anime likes Naruto, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but JoJo's, I think, is the one that really sets you into that world of weirdness and unlocks like the passion and the fandom. And so, look up JoJo's pose, like oh. <laughs> JoJo's poses, because that is a 
a touchstone of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure is these people bent back almost like they are um, they have the smooth criminal shoes on and are doing like the lean with their spines like bent in half and their hands over their face like and it's like a disco. The, their midriffs exposed with the cutoffs and like they have no their waists are just like pencil thin. Yes, yeah, it's it's nuts. It's crazy. And the one thing that I did want to um, really have a kind of like asterisk on is uh, when I watch this anime and this this is kind of again something that is gonna is just a consistent touchstone of what we talk about because as someone who uh is a, a queer homie gender studies homie assault survivor the relationship that anime has to sex is just not uh, my favorite thing no. in the world and unfortunately this also does have an instance of assault in i think like the very first episode yep um it, it isn't the most graphic thing in the world i'll just go ahead and, and say dio just forces a kiss on like uh jojo's like love interest and is like oh jojo i've smooched your love ah! i've stolen her first kiss aren't yes. i a stinker <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, but it still sucks because I remember it was like the third anime in a row that I uh, was trying to introduce my my partner at the time to. Like the last had been Yu Yu Hakusho. Did you ever see Yu Yu Hakusho, Henry? Yes. Oh, it's so good. It's like a classic. But I didn't remember in the first episode, Yusuke Yurameshi, who's the protagonist, he comes across his like, he's like dead and his back is a ghost. And the way that he like recognizes like somebody, his his childhood friend Keiko is he's like in the streets, like blinded. And he just like has his eyes closed and he reaches out and he just just gropes her titties and just I know those boobs anywhere. Yeah, and he's like, and he's like, oh my god, Keiko, is that you? I know the feel of those titties anyway. And it's like, it's so whack and such an otherwise like beautiful show. And so JoJo's, this is not a common theme of JoJo's. This is <laughs> Thank a god. One, this is a one-time instance. It is, you know, uh, Araki um, starting off on his journey. But I did kind of want to get that out of the way. There, yeah. Like, the, the the thing with JoJo's is like the design. The design, like the character designs, are incredibly sexual. Like big, luscious lips, enormous muscles, paper thin waists. But but nobody really has any sex. It's not no, a there, part there's of the no story. desire, none. It's not about that. They're too stoic. Indeed, he's too he's too much of a gentleman. That's uh, Jonathan Joestar's defining trait: is that he's a chivalrous gentleman obsessed with honor. So good, good boy. So do the these these guys do not look 14, right? I mean, no. right from the top of course. So I think that that's an important thing to explain is that most people who are not familiar with anime when they're hearing these 14-year-old kids, part of why they're so menacing is they appear to be 7 feet tall with the body of like Arnold Schwarzenegger if he was inflated like from his butt with a air pump. Like it's like uh, it's unbelievable. It's <laughs> unbelievable. And, and not only turn. that, but the way that they move, the way that they move, they have such control and, and, and awareness of their bodies. When I was 14, I was literally just like running into things. I would I just was like, like no, when I was 20. <laughs> <laughs> I've tripped before it happens. They, they don't. No. no, no. If they did, though, it would be gorgeous, right? If they, of course, if they did, they'd totally, wipe out, totally, and you yeah. would see every detail. And like, and it wouldn't be people in the background would be talking about it, right? And it wouldn't be an accident. It would be like uh, Jonathan Joestar tripping, and then Dio like emerging from the shadows and being like, "Ha ha, Jonathan, I placed your father's severed penis in front of the path for you." Something I'd like to touch on while we're yeah. talking about. 
about like art style and character design is the way that the designs have changed between the yes, parts because yeah. these like enormous hulking bodies was very much a product of the times. One of the biggest animes that, or not animes, manga that was coming out when JoJo's Bizarre Adventure first started was Fist of the North Star. You can yes. really see how that like inverted pyramid body shape is a holdover from that series and what was going on at that time. But as the series goes on, by the time you get to part five, the most recent anime adaptation, it's just a big old team of twinks, top to bottom. Oh, yeah. Very thin and lean. And they give their male characters as many feminine reading traits as masculine. It's all very androgynous and high fashion as it goes on. I couldn't have put that any better. That is like exactly right. And you bring up Fist of the North Star is so smart because, Hal, do you know Fist of the North Star? I, I don't. Okay, so Fist of the North Star, it's... um. Honestly, if you can look up Fist of the North Star right now, you'll understand immediately where it's coming from. The character body is exactly the same because I have uh, I have read all of Fist of the North Star and it follows this guy named Kenshiro who mastered. Oh, uh, I know Kenshiro. I know. Oh, yeah, Kenshiro who's mastered. Uh, I believe it's, it's uh, you are already dead. Yes, I think it's. Oh uh, my, uh, one Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kinderu. Yes. Oh, and then it has the word. worst sound ever recorded <laughs> yes okay well so, so y'all drink. know yeah i so, do know that already okay. know. yeah yeah yeah, so, yeah so henry when uh how did how does uh, how does kenshiro fight he punches <laughs> think, people real good i know and he has a sound that goes <laughs> oh yeah oh of course which is a exact carryover of like of of uh jojo of jotaro kujo is like and even with the same like punching back and forth the idea of like you can't even see my fists i'm punching so fast and you're getting owned so hard like Mm -hmm. so that is also totally there i think that's a great way to put it um the evolution over time for sure because i think that like this art style he basically every guy in the series has the exact same body type until part four honestly like (laughs) i think okay gets gets introduced and then like um oh uh, who is who's the younger one? Who who has um? Is it Josuke? No, it's like a, I was like mean, the little boy. You know, like yeah, the little one. Yeah, in part four, there's like a a, a leaner, prettier um uh JoJo who's just friends with like a kid. Um, <laughs> but they're like the same age. Is the crazy part? Are they not? Anyway, man, they're technically the same right. age. It's just that this kid is like three feet tall. Mm-hmm. I think you're right. I think it's he's like a the Goku Krillin complex. They're the same age. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So going back to to Phantom Blood, however, I think that um, there's I I honestly think there's a reason we're talking so much about future parts of JoJo's. And it's because it's where like the memeiest, coolest stuff comes in. Mm -hmm. The stuff that JoJo's really becomes defined by. Because, of course, you know, it's just, you know, this is the the first uh, year of JoJo's, the thing setting everything up. But um, I think there is some some really valuable uh, uh, stuff here f- that it really leads to like why to watch Phantom Blood. Like the the, the combat in here, not bad at all. I mean, it does it 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 is singular, but like, yeah, okay. How how you take it from here with the the how the fights happen here? So so the fights in Phantom Blood are are so much so much different than any other part of the series besides season two battle tendencies where it gets carried over. Um, 
basically Jonathan Joestar and like there are some fights between Jonathan and Dio in the beginning. And they're just some kids that are like slugging each other. They're they're like street brawling with each other. And it's not in that like I'm I'm punching faster than light and you're still taking the punches. But like no, like that element where you punch someone as hard as you can and they don't even blink. That's not a part of this show um, like ever. And what's so interesting about the show is like they, they bring in this concept of a hamon, which is like this idea where you can a very similar to like chakra control, key control. It's like you, by breathing, by controlling your breathing and your heart rate, you are able to release this sort of life energy from your hands, from your feet, from, you know, whatever extremities you have. From your body. And, right, from your body. You're able to use it as a weapon <laughs> or to, you know, give life to other things, which is especially effective against the undead. That being said, things get really, really crazy about halfway through because Dio spoiler alert um is suddenly a vampire and jonathan still has to fight him in a fist fight which is like crazy you you like watch you're like oh my god there's no usually when you see a protagonist go up against the villain you're like all right like he's gonna catch these hands he's gonna be fine like villain's gonna get the smoke it's going to be over. Whereas like in this one, you're like, Jonathan should stand reasonably no chance in this fight. Like he's going to get iced. And like the, the funny thing about <clears throat> Jonathan is even though he does have that enormous bodybuilder physique, he's a klutz. He's a dunce. He's not yeah. a good fighter to begin with. You have to wait for him to learn how. And, and that's part of his character is that he's so tough that he, he takes the hits and he's like, well, that didn't work. And then he tries something different because he can, he's yeah. able to take that punishment. He's a um, he is. And then, but then when you're fighting a vampire who has all these crazy supernatural abilities and insane strength, you see this element where you see like later on in the other seasons of like, okay, I clearly can't overpower my opponent. I've got yeah. to think him. Mm-hmm. For and, sure. and that is something that I really appreciate about the show. And the show is so disruptive in so many ways. Like, um, <clears throat> characters die yeah. in this. Like, main characters that you're not expecting just die. There's a, a moment towards the back end of the show where, like, it seems like a a team is assembled and two new characters are introduced. And it's like, oh, my God, these guys are really badass. And I think it's almost like by the end of the episode, they're just, like, yeah. conked, gone, smoked. Um and, and and unceremoniously too. It's not like this long drawn out thing where like they they're able to give out last words. They're able to you know uh, make amends for the wrongs they've mm-hmm. made in the past. Like they just die. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yes. Oh my. I'm so. I'm so glad to hear this. It makes me so excited because I love JoJo so much. And it's bringing all these memories of why this series is special because in part two, there is another like big character death. And when I say big, I mean, even though it's JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, literally nobody's off the table in these things. Nobody's off the table. Um, But in, in part two, a character who in literally any other series I could imagine, even my favorite series, One Piece, when one of like the biggest character deaths occurred in that, there was still a brief moment where they had some words to say to each other of like, I love you, I love you too, um, and I will never speak ill of One Piece, it's the best series ever. <laughs> um, but, um, in part two, a character who, it's it's almost inconceivable if you've seen any other type of anime, it's inconceivable that they would die ever, 
is gone like that and there is no goodbyes there is no they come back as a ghost and is are like oh remember me oh or they don't visit him in a dream it's just gone and they have to deal with the trauma in a real way and so it's nuts that like jojo's has this sense of like heightened drama but also just huge baroque um uh melodrama as well of just it's just such a fun brilliant balance um henry did you did you mention that the colors earlier of this series because like it's it's wild the unbelievable it's unbelievable so what really sets the david productions adaptation apart from anything previously is how reckless they're willing to be and creative with the visual style yes 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 to like emphasize an introduction or a pose or a special ability being revealed they'll just completely change the colors like normally steel will have blonde hair and jonathan will have blue hair but during this super powerful kick dio gets purple hair and jonathan gets green hair it just shuffles everything and just clashes in the most effective powerful and like eye gouging way it's fantastic it's unbelievable so good it just makes it so fun to watch too because i am extremely colorblind but even i (laughs) could tell what was happening in these moments was off the chain and iraqi has actually said um and and i think was his his uh direction almost is that people had always asked you know hey i'm trying to draw my favorite jojo's character but manga is traditionally black and white what are the what are the the colors on these guys because when Oftentimes, Mongo will have like if there was a JoJo's character on the cover of Shonen Jump, or like a spread in a um, in a uh, Tankoban, which is like a just collection of chapters that is released. Um, there'd be color spreads, and Araki would say, "I don't draw with color palettes in mind. To me, color is a tool to suit the emotion of the scene." And so, if he's drawing any number of scenes there it's 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 kaleidoscopic is honestly Mm -hmm. what comes to mind here because they also play with all of these patterns and i love i love the 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 reckless um term that you used is it's literally the perfect thing that i could think of henry because they're reckless because they know the rules because Mm -hmm. they are doing this with a purpose so they can be a little reckless they can get wild And, and that just reminded me of something that i really love about jojo's that i've never seen in any other anime before or anything when there's this there'll be this moment where like you know the colors change and like this character's introduced or they're fighting or you know whatever there's always this moment specifically with like dio when the words menacing yep appear on screen it's just like like i've never seen that kind of like like duh we know but also it's so unique. It's so it's almost campy in that they do that, but but not in a way that's distasteful. And it's not just showing the words so you know how to feel. The word is gonna be like a thousand feet tall in and and it's like vibrating like uh yes. through the screen. If if Quentin Tarantino was a was a uh asexual um fashion designer uh who who was also a cartoonist, I feel like this is the type of, of stuff that he would make as the weirdest. Quentin Tarantino was a completely different person. <laughs> no, but I'm talking about a I'm talking about um being on the same wavelength in terms mm-hmm. of oddity and craft while having completely different aesthetics. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I the, just had an 
interesting okay, parallel popped into my mind. Did go either honey, of you guys watch Killing Eve? No, I've heard of it. So Killing Eve is this really great female-led spy show. It's great. You should all watch it. But something it does interesting that it not does. Not as good as Totally Spies. Not as good as Totally Spies. I'll fight you in your face. But something interesting <laughs> it'll do, it'll like put the location up in like these big, bright, colored letters to like let you know where you are. And they very recently started, instead of just saying Barcelona, London, they've started saying like when somebody's feeling screwed over, this is bullshit. It like breaks the reality in a way that instead of taking you out, pulls oh. you in. Okay. Oh, cool. I like that. I killing you if it's so it good. puts out subtext and into something a little more readable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like Literally. that. I like that. That's that's super fun. That's super fun. Man. So um uh, oh okay wait wait we're we're talking about subtext and and kind of like breaking convention. Um the the, the main thing that I think about that is nuts is um okay this technically take it takes place on earth this world does and so there are references to like mesopotamia and england obviously but um you come across a character named uh robert eo speedwagon yeah uh, <laughs> who's like a jack the ripper type character and you then begin start to start picking up on these things because you have uh dio uh, like Ronnie James Dio, founder of the supergroup Dio. You have a character in this named like Wang Chung. You have uh, <laughs> Dire and Straits. So <laughs> for Dire Straits, a character named Tom Petty, like Tom Petty in this. And it, it just gets more and more wild to the point where this is a constant thing that Iraqi does is he names things after uh, just his, his favorite uh, bands in real life. And it gets to this point where, like, the main female character in part two is named Lisa Lisa. And yeah. uh, one of the main villains is uh, is ACDC. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, it literally be characters that go like, oh, oh, Lord, ACDC. <laughs> like, please accept this offering. <laughs> and it's amazing. And I ca- what do we think it is? Because I don't know why I'm not saying this is the wackest, lamest, dumbest shit I've heard of in my life. Because if I'm describing this to somebody, they're surely like, oh, yeah. And so then Lisa Lisa fought ACDC <laughs> with the help of Notorious B.I.G. And they had their ghost spirits doing battle. It's like it, it almost sounds like a like a sonic level like deviant art just just explosion of nonsense what why why is this okay i think it Uh, comes from the consistency because if it it was just like hey this is my friend john and he looks like a regular guy and this is his friend bill and he looks like a regular guy and this is their friend lisa lisa it wouldn't work (laughs) but since everybody is a crazy named weird person it clicks it just works that and the characters, it never comments on the fact that they have a weird name. That is their name. That's who they yeah, are. Mm-hmm. And and the characters are usually so well established in who they are that you're just you don't have time to think about like, all right, that that's a band. You're just like, oh, he just he, he he's crazy. Like, oh, he's doing some crazy stuff. And and here's Mr. Wagon. He's gonna stab me with a knife. Right. Like, <laughs> oh, all right, okay, sure. It, it's it's Back to like JoJo's, you kind of just have to turn it off and just like take it in passively in some ways. Because if you try and analyze every little thing, you're going to miss everything else. Mm. It's going to have it's going to fly right by you. It's so dense with like detail and personality. Every frame, every character design is just packed. So speaking of personality, um, 
I really would like to talk about the differences between the English dub and the Japanese uh, dub with English subtitles. Um, Hit me. <laughs> oh, my God. It's everyone has a certain preference when it comes to like, you know, when you watch the English dub or you watch the, the Japanese dub, it, it's it's so with for a lot of shows, it's very much just like, oh, you watch the subtitles and some people are just like, I just like reading subtitles. But other people with this show, I feel as though both casts are fantastic, but for way different reasons, like like so many different actors yeah. within these casts stand out for different reasons. For sure. And I, mm-hmm. I think that it it is a damn blessing that this took place in like 2012, this adaptation, because I remember how it felt like like 80 percent of characters were given like or whoever like the cool character was in anime made in like 1996 um well again i was born the year before that so like when i was when i was growing up when i was growing up yeah 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 like with yu yu haka show there'd always be that one character where it's like this is a cool character so we're gonna make the character british and yet for (laughs) some reason a hundred percent of the time it was never a voice actor who could do a British accent. It was always like, um, it was always like, oh, Yusuke, you foolish lot. What are you doing over there? Like, and it's just like very, very weird. Or just like, oh, I don't really know. Yeah, me, I'm just an upper class Japanese housewife. I am. <laughs> like weird stuff. It'd be nuts. Um, and, and so the, I think that the, the English accents are actually pretty spot on in mm-hmm. this for for the english dub so i i will give it to that but i mean there's a lot to be said for the sub too sure but but i guess that's specifically see that point that you made i feel like is very very specific to phantom blood in general it is yeah, like for sure you know because the next seasons they don't all take place in england you know a lot of them take place mm-hmm. like like battle tendencies i believe that takes place in new york mm-hmm and oh, then I love which is so such a cool take like like such yeah. a cool take on the american character which <laughs> which i love but um and then like season three takes place in egypt it goes from tokyo to cairo yeah. all over the world yeah. and and then after a while i feel like the english cast kind of like they're just like all right they're gonna talk and they're gonna talk and that's what it's gonna be but but I don't know between the three of us, like, like what do you guys prefer from the show? Do you prefer the English dub or do you prefer the Japanese? Oh, I can't talk about this show specifically just cause I am, ex- I don't watch anything dubbed and it's not, I try not, it's not for elitism. It's, I would never look down on somebody for watching the dubs, the English dubs. I just, and yet he does. No, uh. I look down on the writing. <laughs> Oh, the writing. The writing. Because, like, I, I think a lot of anime has great concepts and stellar, like, plots and progression, but the dialogue is always so stiff to me. That's like, and so when I read it instead of hearing it in English, I'm able to just move forward with it. I, I remember, I watch a ton of stuff, but I remember hearing the, um, dub the english dub for my hero academia and wanting to like pull my skin off Mm. just because like the lines were so clunky and 
That's always yeah. my issue with it. Some of the character voices in the My Hero dub are, are pretty funny, but they're um, just because you get you you kind of get a sense of like, oh, what would the same cartoonish like personality sound like in English? Mm-hmm. But for sure, I think the translation is the big reason why with something like My Hero, I'd also watch it in terms of sub because you can have a fantastic English translation. Like I think the English version of Death Note, that dub, very good. Cowboy Bebop a classic but again it's so rare like hal i don't know if i mentioned this do you know who uh translated princess mononoke who did the script uh no it was neil gaiman <gasps> really neil wow. gaiman is the one who created the english script for princess mononoke and you can kind of see like oh that's like the level that it takes to really to to get the kind of synchronicity here because then you you have shows that are written in english like castlevania and castlevania shown because it was like in its native tongue for sure because there was that that sense of it um so i'm actually very much on team henry with it like part one is the only one having seen like up to part four part one's one's the only one that i could kind of like consciously say like english is a good experience because honestly because it's the corniest part <laughs> right um, like it's it's just kind of like it's a, it's the dorkiest <laughs> silliest part and the thing that i kind of want to um just make a note of is that the big part of like jojo's meaniness is that it sounds a lot um the the the, the uh anachronism of it all of the the band names I can swallow it more in Japanese because it is more, it just comes across as goofy because hearing somebody talk about like ACDC and trying to um, get that out is there are moments of great um, anachronism that have become legendary meme moments like uh, one of the Joe stars, I won't spoil who is alive in part three. And oh is some, and is oh somebody who comes across and is really funny because uh, they are constantly like they're in Japan because season three takes place in Japan, but they're constantly just like shit talking the Japanese right. <laughs> and, and and saying things like mm. the the main refrain that you'll hear all the time from this show star is <gasps> oh my god oh my god. Son of the bitch. That's so much funnier in the sub. I shit myself every time. Like, it's my favorite thing in the world. Absolutely. For that reason, if you're hearing like Lisa Lisa or ACDC, just go with the the Japanese because it's part of the fun of it. It's just more fun to hear it this way. And and not only that, but when you listen to so so for those listening, I I my favorite anime that I've ever watched is Dragon Ball. Um, Dragon Ball, Dragon Ball, Dragon Ball Z, Dragon Ball Super. Love it. I've eaten it up most of my life now. And what is so unique about that show, um, among a lot of things, is that there are two English dubs. I don't know if you knew that, Pax. Um, <clears throat> there's the Funimation original English dub, and then there's Dragon Ball Z Kai. And what I, I, I watched the original Funimation, and then I watched Kai, and I was like, whoa, Kai is so much closer to what the Japanese is. And, and what's so interesting is about the Funimation is that when Funimation did the dub, they couldn't swear. 
They couldn't like use certain insults. They couldn't like they they could only speak a certain way. So they would be like, uh, so like Trunks would get shot through the chest, and Pickle would turn around and be like, "Oh my gosh!" <laughs> <laughs> Good and you'd be like, "Really?" <laughs> you're like, "Darn it!" And you'd be like, "Really?" And like in the Japanese, that's not an issue. That's very much not the case. And and so I found that like <clears throat> oh, like watching so something in Japanese because it's native tongue can sometimes lead you to a truer form of the character than when you listen to it in English. Like uh, listening to like the characters, like listening to Dio in Japanese versus English. I'm like, wow, Dio is so much scarier. Yeah, when he's speaking yeah. in Japanese because it's he doesn't like. The the like you said, sometimes the translation can be a little clunky, and because of that, it has a weird effect on the character where you're like, I don't really know what you're about. Sometimes, whereas like when you watch Japanese, you're just like, oh, okay, that's very very clear. Um, and and Dio's voice is so much oh, deeper in Japanese. It's just like it's so good. Oh God, and like so like that's that's one of those things. I also prefer the sub for at least for JoJo's. Mm-hmm. Um, one weird thing about the watching the Japanese audio with the English subtitles and it does connect back to the wacky, crazy music names is that they aren't actually allowed to say them. So what I mean is, um, let's take an example from, uh, part five, the main antagonists stand is named King Crimson named after the band. Everybody knows not everybody knows, but, but I know what King Crimson the band is. Yeah. But in the text of the subtitles, he's Emperor Crimson. Crimson. Yeah. Right. They're not right. allowed to say stuff. And like uh, one of the characters' powers is called Guns and Roses, but that's not what it's called in the actual written out subtitles. There's some sort of legal, weird, wibbly wobbly. Who knows it? Pack so you'll hear them say like guns and roses and it'll just be different in the subtitles? It like, and so there's that line and it's like blocks and daisies. Big gun. Oh, whoa. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's so easy to ignore because you're hearing them say guns and roses and that's such a better thing than whatever it actually was in like in the subtitle. It's oh, It's whoa. like a weird detail. But it's shockingly easy to ignore when you're actually watching it. Yeah, apparently it is because I did. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Okay. And like, okay. So I think that this is like a, a good place to kind of to pivot to doing the wrap up on on Phantom Blood here because sure. I think I, we've I, done I, a good job of selling it so far. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. And again, like there aren't stands in this. They're fighting with their like. Come um, on. Yeah, they're fighting with sunlight karate. Is essentially much, yeah. And in part Sun two, Fu, you might say, yeah. And in part two, there's like <laughs> sunlight karate as well. But um, it is, it's honestly not used nearly as much as part two's JoJo is probably my favorite out of the four that I've seen. Right. Um, I, I well, I don't know. Hen- well, Henry, you've only I've seen got such a weird perspective. Five, I couldn't, so. I've heard very good things about part four. I've heard that like of the anime, that might be the best one, but who knows? And then I've heard people talking about the manga saying, oh, you got to get to Steel Ball Run and, and part eight is where it's really happening. So it's so hard to 
say in which is my which I think is the best. But I would say that this first part, it's cute, but it's a product of its time. Perfect. So leading into that, let's talk about favorite and least favorite parts about Phantom Blood. I think that's a good first thing before we kind of get into some of our other like wrap up questions here. Um, for me, favorite parts, uh, the 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 color palette, definitely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like just the fact that it it even now feels shocking and new and interesting. And there are things in terms of my least favorite parts that are oddly antiquated about it. It is, I think, by far the least innovative story the combat is like the most simple because in part two you get some of the most wild like body horror like shape-shifting just strangeness uh going on um this is also my least favorite jojo um because he is like how you normally find a um not even just a shonen but like any like comic or cartoon protagonist very one-dimensional and he's upstanding and he has a lot of willpower and he's a great guy and would probably make the best husband out of all of them. Um, because <laughs> Jojo, like um, Jojo in part three, uh, do you know what I'm about to reference? How, like how he talks to his mom. Did you see yeah. any of that? Yeah. Like literally uh, Jojo in part three, who I should probably watch the English of that too. Cause I'm interested. That's, Cause that's Matthew, Matthew Mercer. Yeah. Yeah. But like literally you, when you come across the new Jojo and the previous two have at least been pretty good guys in their own way the first time you come to him is like he's in like a jail cell and his mom comes and his mom is just the sweetest lady and she's, she's like, like oh oh jojo oh i can't wait I, to get you out of jail are you okay are they feeding you like, enough shut the fuck up you dumb bitch like get that that's legitimately face. what he says to her you, and you she's stupid. like oh i guess i'll just do that okay yeah, you're no. so silly which makes him way not he's not cooler it's not like hey everybody call your mom a bitch disrespect your mom disrespect your mom like that's right. not, that is not a <laughs> uh, motto there okay so so i came from season one from the perspective of season three mm-hmm. of watching almost all of season three and being like okay i gotta watch season one now just so i understand how this got to be so crazy mm. and i think i've really enjoyed watching the evolution of some of these characters and watching like thinking about it in terms of like where things are going to go um that was what was really really enjoyable for me especially um dio in general mm-hmm. like his, yeah. his arc is so so thrilling to me to watch it's, like, it's like watching and it's like watching anakin become darth vader 100 he starts out as like a bad kid and become right like and satan he becomes the devil the devil and yeah, so you're just yeah. like whoa um but my least favorite part um i gotta say my least favorite part is probably arena who is um Jonathan Joestar's love interest at the time and and, yeah. and I was very very disappointed in that there okay so there's nine episodes in Phantom Blood nine and so like that's how much screen time she has nine episodes and I was shocked that you don't see any sort of like inner mechanisms of her mind until like the last episode for a brief moment. And even then she's also very, very one dimensional. Yeah. You're just kind of like, like, mm-hmm. like Jonathan went to all of this to, to get back to this girl who means so much to him. And you're just like, she didn't even get a voice. 
No agency, and, for and sure. That, that bugged me. She's not that a character. Me. She's a sex prize. Right, and that's... I mean, like... It's sex at doesn't least even like, exist here. Yeah, that's no, the crazy there. thing. It's like it's not like he's lusting for her. It's not like she's lusting for him. It's just like it she's the just there because time. it gives Jonathan something to do. Yeah, and, and that bugged me for sure. And I'll say that like I think that um, to Iraqi's credit, once the JoJo start getting more interesting, so do the women. Um, Absolutely. But it also definitely is like a a boys' club for a while. Eventually, yeah. eventually we do get a, a female Jojo. Um, there, there is a Jolene at mm. one point and that's that a lot. That? And that's a yeah. lot of people's favorite Jojo. And it's definitely where the, so the art gets like gorgeous and breathtaking. Um, cool. But that's, that's a great point about the, the agency there. Um, Henry, did you give yours? No, uh, my favorite part is where <laughs> the uh, magician punches a frog. That was good. <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. That was so yes. Mm-hmm. And my least favorite part is kind of just a reality of the way it was written. I don't like how it ended because it felt very rushed. It felt like I've run out of ideas mm-hmm. for what to do with this story. I want to tell yeah. a different story. Boat burned. The end. Totally, totally. And he does tell a way better story in part two and then three and four. It like yeah. really is like a you can really, roller coaster up. You can really feel the growing pains as you're watching it. You can both see how it started as a product of uh, the time, very influenced by everything else that was coming out at the time. But you can feel him just like as an author feeling constrained by the style that he had given himself. And I, I cannot speak from any sort of like knowledge but it feels like he sort of stumbled upon this very what came to be a very core part of jojo's which is the changing of parts changing of characters and so even though i don't love it in this part i love what it gave to the series as a whole Absolutely. And I think that that is a testament to Iraqi as a mangaka and as like a story drafts person, because how many series do we know that go for like uh, sometimes even like over a decade and just don't change their formula and they get so stale Mm -hmm. and so wild. And the fact that he was able that he's able to tell so many stories like um, in in part two, I think the outro music is walk like an Egyptian Um, (laughs) or there might be part three, but like it becomes like a a travel trip across Egypt. And then one is like a small town murder mystery. Mm -hmm. And then what, what is part five? like gang war yeah it's quite literally like gang war Mm. that's so cool and i think to be able to to cut and run and change like that that is a huge risk because you say hey these characters you've grown to love a lot of them are going to die the ones that make it on are going to be in different forms it's going to be such a different story different main characters that's a huge risk as a creative artist most people don't even get one hit in their life you know and so you get your one and you choose to burn it to the ground but i think that's why that that's why in my mind um i'll say is phantom blood still worth watching because there's a good argument to just go to part two but for me it still feels worth it i think you kind of mentioned how they were rushing to the end and that's totally true but um hal also mentioned that it was nine episodes long yeah and one thing that was nuts for me like rewatching it my last time is realizing that like the pacing in this is really 
tight. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's all killer. I mean, because you think of adapting, um, I'll shit talk the One Piece anime for sure. Uh, One Piece would have taken a year's worth of story and made <laughs> 52 episodes out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is literally, you know, a sixth of the time and it shows. It is tight. It is fun. It is it is lushly animated. So it, it's, it's still fun to me. Do y'all think it's still worth watching? Absolutely. And I think that it's, 100% worth watching because JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, I think the best word to describe this show is it's an epic. It's an oh, epic 100%. in, in, in its, from a literal sense. Yeah, yeah. And that is, that's, I think, my favorite part about the series as a whole is that, like, it's all intertwined and, and like you may not know what's going to happen next but neither do the characters and it's going to take place it takes place over hundreds of years mm-hmm. and they mm-hmm. show all the time pass like there will be a moment where like um like even in season one the first episode they're like 14 second episode they're like 20 yeah you're just like whoa six years have passed and you and you see that these these characters have indeed grown into other into like different versions of themselves and that's why i think phantom blood is essential to watch because you can't watch part of an epic to get the full scale (sighs) so well said i man i love that um Am I going to get you two motherfuckers to watch part two now? Is that going to yes. be in the future? God yes. damn it. I'm in. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> you son okay. of a bitch. I'm in. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. Because ultimately, like, I want to beseech the audience. Like, JoJo's is really something special. And mm. one of the best parts about this being an adaptation of material that's 30 years old is yes. that they don't have to stretch anything. They get to mm-hmm. just do all the best parts. They get to have every wacky part of the original source material. And if there is some boring table setting, they can just leave it. They can just move forward. Totally. I I dream of the day when we get a JoJo's Bizarre Adventure or a Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood style remake of some of our favorite shows. I'd love to see like a Naruto where every episode is just awesomely animated Mm -hmm. and it flies by. You won't love to see that. I I don't think you'll see it. Jeff Bezos, if you're out there, I know you're a big fan. I get your letters in the mail. (laughs) Make it happen, Jeff. Come on. I will do it and it'll be great. Um, but uh yeah i definitely beseech the audience like watch jojo's it's just fun it's fun and it's wholesome and it's hopeful and it's interesting and you will unlock a whole new world for being a part of it you will be part of the club and you'll never be able to leave and watch it with a friend watch it with a friend or or a loved one or or something like that you know he doesn't have to be something that you watch ashamed alone in your basement like you you, it's a group activity you can do that come out of your anime closet yeah they got the vhs player (laughs) free into your living room but don't have a friend over now take our yeah, advice no 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 yeah social distance for sure don't do if, that unless you're in florida if everything's wide open grab some friends <laughs> some local crocodiles grab yeah. a potty, take gumbo. all the people you already have and force them to watch weird crazy <laughs> nonsense even if they protest make them <laughs> I think that that is a beautiful, beautiful point to leave off on. So I want to say to everybody, thank you all so much for listening. If you liked what you heard, please give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or review us on your favorite podcasting app. It really does make a difference. And 
every review counts. We're going to make sure to give you a shout out on the air to show our appreciation if you do so. So, uh, <laughs> you know, maybe do that. But uh, otherwise, thank you so much, uh, Henry, for coming. It was amazing having you. You're so much fun to have on the pod. It's been um, a joy. I'll see you in part two. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much. And uh, speaking of part two, next week, we're going to have two very special guests. That's right. It's a quadruple header. And we'll be talking about Attack on Titan, Leveling Cities, Twisted Body Horror, and Cannibalism, and How to Get Your Bay into Anime. You're going to have to listen to find out because it's going to be a good one. <laughs> All right. I'm Pax. And I'm Hal. <laughs> and we're the, the Brotakus. Bro All right. Ah. Ah. See you next week, guys. <laughs> <laughs>